Now, last time I preached, we, uh, we looked at, we listened to Andrew Bocelli, and I want to do that again. Just to say that when I was in church in Sidcup in South London, we used to sing this version of Our Father during our worship time. And uh, it was always an extraordinary experience. So before I start um, talking about Matthew 6, verse 13, if you want to be looking that up, let's hear it again.
Lord, we want to hear from you today. We want to hear... Lord, we want to hear from you because we want to be listeners. We want to hear from you because we need to hear from you. Lord, we want to hear your loving voice speaking to your children, your family. Lord, we are eager for more. We live in such a busy culture, Lord, the demanding loud, pressing. And in the midst of it, Lord, we want to hear your voice as we pray to you. Help us in our conversations with you, Lord, to spend time listening to what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are then in Matthew chapter 6, and we've reached, uh, we've reached verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, you might be wondering, what's that got to do with listening? Weren't you? Somebody say yes, I was. Just encourage me. So... Um, I want to explain today why I think this leads us into a place of listening. That was good, wasn't it? Did you notice that? Leads us into a place of listening. And I want to drop a hint. Yesterday we were uh, in, for Rachel's birthday treat, we were in a locked-in room, you know, where you have to do all the puzzles to get out. And... uh, Every so often, if you were struggling, they'd put a hint up on the television screen that was in the room so that you had some hints. I'm going to give you a hint, okay, about why this verse 13 is about listening. Okay, it's in Isaiah chapter 30. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying... This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. This is the way, walk in it. You know, in our relationship with God, we need to have this interaction that helps us to live the life we're called to live. Well, it doesn't just help us. It's essential, really, to live the life you're called to live, to listen to the one who's called you. Don't you think? That's pretty essential, to know the one who's called you. And what this says is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And before we get any further, let me give you the answer to my conundrum, and that is... It says, lead us. Not into temptation. Okay, this is the answer to the conundrum. Lead us, we pray. Now, if you're going to say to the Lord, lead us, you're really asking for some directions, are you not? Don't you think? Lead us. 
when we gather for Rachel's birthday in Southampton, the trains were diverted or something went, so Rosie was coming, had to go on the bus, and then I had to go and collect her, and I needed to know the way. Rachel said, well, you do this and you do that, and I said, I'll follow the signs, thank you because the way she would have gone seemed so complicated, I just thought I'd follow the signs for the airport and get to the airport station that way. I didn't listen to her, I followed the signs. And following the signs is the way a lot of Christians take their leading. They follow the signs, they feel this is a sign, that is a sign. You know, they, we have this Christian phrase, don't we, which someone used a couple of weeks ago, put out a fleece. We put out a fleece. And of course, if you don't know the Old Testament story, you haven't got a clue what they're talking about. What are you talking about? Put out a fleece. I don't have any sheep. I don't have a fleece. Do you want me to put out my lamb chop, maybe? Put it outside and see what happens. <laughs> So, yeah, we, we take signs sometimes to lead us. But isn't it so much more wonderful to hear the voice of God lead you? And you can only do that if you listen. If you listen. So, lead us implies listening. Have I got you there now? Because this is an unusual way of talking about this verse, let me tell you. But I wanted to use it this way because I think it's part of what this verse is about. I don't think this is twisting exegesis or anything. I think this is actually part of what it's about. Lead us not into temptation, but lead us in your ways. When Dom and I, Dom was talking about this last week, when Dom and I moved here, from Brentwood, we both had the same experience of not selling our houses and being somewhat stuck trying to sell our houses. And you know what? If you haven't heard from God that it's the right thing to do, other voices will tell you it's the wrong thing. Other voices will say, oh, this is obviously a sign from God that you're not meant to go. I was plied with that frequently because they didn't want me to go. So they would say those sorts of things. Hey, if I had not been sure of going, I could have been wobbled. I could have been tempted to wobble. I could have been tempted to say this is wrong. Dom the same. He could have been tempted. I think actually... You know, people saying that to you, they, they were just expressing how they felt emotionally. And that was, that was fine in that sense, but they were not supporting the word of God into our lives. We'd listened. And when you listen and you hear, you know, it's in, Joanna's just gone to Kurdistan because she listened. It's an interesting phrase in here, isn't it? Lead us not into temptation. 
Well, of course, God, do you think God leads you into temptation? Do you think God sits in heaven and says, I know what we'll do. We'll push them into a place where they're faced with the most horrendous temptation. Let's see what happens. Is that God? Is that a loving Heavenly Father? Do you do that with your kids? You know, I know what we'll do. Let's stand on the edge of this zebra crossing and give our little child a shove and see what happens. See if they're tempted to cross on the red. Do you do that? Gosh, it's hard this morning. I mean, you don't, do you? You do not put your own children in harm's way to tempt them. And God doesn't put you in harm's way to tempt you. Why pray for what is impossible? God lead us not into temptation. He can't do that anyway. I can see it, you know. What does it say in James? It says in James chapter 1, verse 13, let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Well, there's a strong bit of theology. God himself cannot be tempted with evil. Your Father in heaven cannot be touched by these things. These temptations, these misdirections, these wrong turnings, these all the rest. God cannot be touched by misdirection or evil. And God himself tempts no one. Lead us, Lord, is the cry in our prayer. Lead us, Lord. Do you want the Lord to lead you really? That's the first question. Or would you rather do your own thing? There's a lot of Christians who sort of straddle this. And it's a painful experience. I want to do my thing. Yeah, but I get in the worship time and I get all holy and worshipful and suddenly I think, oh, I want to do God's thing. And then I get out in the world and I get out in my job and I get out in the general melee of life. And I get tempted to do my own thing. It looks nice. The Greek in this temptation has a couple of uh, nuances. The first is this, that it's trials or tests or sufferings. Lord, lead us not into trials and tests and sufferings. And the other one is allurements. That's nice, isn't it? You know what these Greek dictionaries are like, don't you? They use old-fashioned English as well. Allurements. We don't use that word much anymore, do we? Are you allured to something? They're allurements. And uh, so what, what this uh, 
phrase is saying is, Lord, don't lead us into suffering or allurements. But God will not lead you that way anyway. You know, it says of Jesus Christ, he was tempted. The devil came to him in the wilderness, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Matthew chapter 4, you can read about it. The devil came to him in the wilderness. At the end of his experience of the wilderness, (coughs) the final thing was this horrendous temptation from the devil. Designed to pull him away from God and designed to pull him away from the path that he was going to take. Designed to pull him away from bringing salvation to us. Designed to make him subject to the devil himself. And they were very powerful temptations indeed. Beyond anything you can imagine really, you know, when I talked about this last time, I talked about the devil showing him all the kingdoms of the earth and how I like to think of that as all the kingdoms of the earth throughout all centuries and all time. Kingdom after kingdom flashing before Jesus' eyes. Power, power, a man's glory flashing before his eyes time and again. Now this one, now that one, now the other one. Rome to Russia. Yeah? Flashing before his eyes. Great Britain. Boom. <coughs> Bow down and serve me, he says. And all this can be yours. I don't think we have any idea, really, how powerful those temptations were for Jesus but he resisted them all and he was without sin. When you think about Jesus and the temptations he (laughs) suffered, do you think of Gethsemane? There he is in the garden of Gethsemane. There he is in a place he would regularly go to to pray regularly go to with his disciples for times together and for times before God. There he would go. And Gethsemane was a place they regularly frequented. And he says, I need to pray. And he takes the select few a bit further and he leaves them there. And he says, right, I need to pray some more. And it says, in Matthew 26, it says this, that Jesus said, my father, my father, not my God even, or even my Lord, but my father. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He was 
in an agony of expectation. What was to come now, in the next few hours, was the culmination of his ministry, was the culmination of why he'd come to earth, was the culmination of why he'd left his glory behind in heaven and walked this earth and been tempted of the devil in every way, tempted like us but without sin. Let no one ever say you're tempted by God because he can't tempt you. Well, the devil came to Jesus and tempted him horrendously. And then comes this, this moment in Gethsemane when he says, Father, if it's possible, if even now there is some other way, if it's possible for these next few hours and days to be taken away from my future. Please, Lord. Please. Please. Let it be so. But. Not my will, but yours. Extraordinary moments. But now I want you to remember how long the disciples were there. How long were they there? How long has it taken me just to record for you and repeat for you those words? A few seconds. Jesus gets back to them and finds them sleeping. Could you not pray with me for wait and pray for one hour? Could you not even manage an hour? And most of us would say, if we're honest, no. <laughs> no way. I can't pray for an hour. What was Jesus doing? What was he saying? What was he thinking? We know the Bible summarizes and we... we we guess, I suppose, that one of these guys overheard Jesus praying because he's probably crying out in a loud voice, Oh, God! Oh, Father! Our oh, Father in heaven, let this cup pass from me. Don't take me through this. What happened for the rest of the time? That's the essence of the question. I don't think he needed to elaborate on the question, do you? I think that was the question. And there was an answer to it from heaven. I think he listened. I don't think he kept on and on and on and on and on and on and on about it. Though elsewhere, he says, you know, keep asking, keep asking. But this was an extraordinary moment. But you don't keep asking, keep asking, you listen. Because you want to know what God is going to say. Here is a crucial moment in his life. Because on this moment depends his behaviour over the next hours. On this moment 
Matthew 26, verse 46 gives us the answer. Because he says to the sleeping disciples, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Whoa, there's a sudden decisiveness in Jesus. There's suddenly, it's, it's, it's activity, it's, it's decision-made activity. It's decisiveness. He has heard, he has heard. I dare not compare it to, to Dom and me hearing and going forward with house moving. But you get the comparison? He's heard and it strengthens him to be decisive and to move through what he knows is going to be physically, mentally, and spiritually excruciating. And he moves towards it with decision. He's heard from God. He's heard from the Father in that time period which is silent for us in the Bible, except we know it was a long time for us and a long time from the disciples too, because they fell asleep. All of this was time where he put himself before God and listened. And so the question for us today is, when we pray, lead us, do we listen? Lord, lead us. Jesus cried, lead, lead me, Lord. Father in heaven, lead me. If it be possible, lead me a different direction, but your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you decisive about what God has spoken to you about? Sometimes people, Jonah ran. Jonah had heard God, you know, the Lord said to him, you know, go to Nineveh. Whoa, go to Nineveh? And he runs in the opposite direction to Nineveh. He runs in the opposite direction, gets on a boat, tries to get as far away from Nineveh as is possible to go. And God chases him down. God chases him down and there's a beautiful picture of what God will do through Jesus in Jonah. And he's in the belly of the whale and he's, he's on the beach again. And God says, come on, let's do it. Come on, let's do it. Let's go to Nineveh. <laughs> and not surprisingly really, Jonah says, okay, I give in, I'll go. Sometimes people say to me, I have, I have so many times ignored what God is saying to me through my life. I, I've, I've just lived that way. How can God even consider putting me back on the track now? I'm a train crash of a life before God Surely he can't put me back on the track now, can he? Yes, he can. 
Yes, he can. His computers can cope. He can still give you the best. Even when you're 70 and your wife's 50. Isn't it amazing how God can design lives so that you live in the peace of God always. You might have to have tremendous determination because the babble of all around you is saying something different. You might need to press through all that. But if you've heard from God and you know, because, he's, because God will say, hey, this is the way. Walk in it. You'll hear a voice saying, no. Last, uh, last night, coming back from the locked-in room, Southampton City Centre was absolutely crammed with vehicles and it was almost gridlock and we were trying to get back to Rachel so we twisted and turned and my son Paul had his satna voice going, you know. Don't do it this way, do it another way. And you think, what, down there? As you look down the jammed up road But God knows, don't turn left, don't turn right. I have a road that's straight for you. Isn't that exciting? Don't you think that's, I think that's very exciting. <laughs> the best sat-nav in the world is prayer. The best sat-nav in the world involves listening. Not to, some, not to some female voice saying, in a hundred yards, turn left. No, this is the Lord saying, live life to the full. I've come to give them life and to give them abundant life, Jesus said. I've come to give you life, to give you abundant life. Why would you go any other way? And so I need to listen to what he's saying. Listen to his leading, like Jesus did in Gethsemane. Then it says, but deliver us from evil, or strictly speaking, deliver us from the evil one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Oh, but that's the, you know, that's the olden days, isn't it? That's the olden days. Paul lived in the olden days. He didn't know about the, my temptation. He didn't know about what's going on in my life. If he'd lived today, you know, he wouldn't have written that, would he? Well, yes, he would. What gives us the arrogance to assume that the 21st century man is unique in this regard of temptation? Because we're not. There is no temptation overtaking you that's not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation will also provide a, way, provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
Well, last night we were locked in a room and we had to endure it. It was an exciting experience. They made it all the more exciting by building, the, building it up before you entered the room, you know. Make sure you go to the toilet. If it's a real emergency, you know, look in the camera and say, help! It's, we will be watching you at all times. This is so like God! The Lord will provide a way of escape. It's a verse we don't hear much about these days, but when I was a kid, it was quite often quoted. Uh, It was quite a prominent verse in my church when I was a kid. A way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so Paul says in Romans 6, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus has defeated the enemy. He went through temptations you'll know nothing about. He was separated from God in a way that you will never know anything like it because you will be in glory. You will never be separated from the Father in the way that Jesus was separated from the Father on the cross. You will never experience that because Jesus was obedient and had listened to the Father and listened to his voice and listened to his voice in Gethsemane and went to the cross. giving himself up. Yes, for the sake of what he knew would come. But nevertheless went through this horrendous experience of being separated from Father God. And so that you could know what it is to have new life and a new motivation to live for God so that you might know what it is to be guided by him throughout your life. (coughs) Led in Psalm 23 words, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in pastures green. you believe it grasp it listen to his voice let him direct you in ways that lead you into pastures green listen listen you know we can give the enemy too much power can't we deliver us from evil it says deliver us from evil well yes now We know that Jesus has overcome. He's the victor. He's the overcomer. He's the one who delivers us from evil. He's the one whose power limits the temptation upon you that the devil would put upon you. The devil would love to destroy you, but there are limits put on that because God will provide a way of escape. And one of his major ways of escape is that he has won the victory already over the evil one. What's it say? It says there's one stronger than the strong man with us. That's Matthew 12. Don't give the the enemy more power than he actually has. 
He's a tempter of your soul. But Jesus is the lover of your soul. Listen to him. Hear his voice. Walk in it. You know, uh, as you walk hills and go climbing and so on, there is this standard joke. The leader of the party marching along goes, this is the way. Hey! Do you get it? No? This is, this is the way. Hey! Father God isn't like that. Isn't that good news? This is the way. Walk in it, he'll say. This is the way. Walk in it. And in the confusion of our lives sometimes, we really need to hear, so we need to spend time listening. Lead us, Lord. Not into temptation, but into your way. Lead us, Lord. Because you will lead us, because you are not the tempter. Do you understand this? God is not the tempter. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us. Listen. He wants to speak. Like he spoke to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, words which have never been recorded. There's probably a reason for that. The most intimate, most private conversation, probably, of Jesus' entire life on earth was in the Garden of Gethsemane when everyone else slept. Let's listen. Let's listen to him for our lives. Are you going to do that today? There are, there are plenty of allurements out there. I can see some allurements from here. They're called biscuits. <laughs> There's allurement. But Jesus... We'll speak. This is the way. Walk in it. So, can I ask the band to come up? You might be saying, David, you don't know. I've been asking God for ages about something you don't know. I am going to say that right now, here in this room, is an opportunity to listen. You might want to kneel, you might want to lay prostrate on the floor, you might want to stand. Raise your hands. Well, what I want us to do is to spend a little time listening. Tell God. Say to him, as Jesus did in the garden, 
Father, what's going on? Show me the way. You may want to have an intimate moment with the Lord here and now. I know there's other people in the room. Block them out of your mind. Just consider him who loves you. Consider him who guides you. Consider him who wants the best for your life. Consider him who died that you might have a wonderful life. Sometimes we are taken through difficulties. That is true. I've not emphasised that today because I wanted to emphasise, let's listen to his answers to our queries. But if he's taking you through a difficulty, he will still answer your queries. He will still answer and still say, yes, I know, but I am with you. Yes, I know, but you won't be tempted beyond that which you are able. Yes, I know. But the glory and power of heaven is with you because you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. So we'll just spend a few minutes now, shall we? We're not going to sing. Music is just to wallpaper the room. Just come before him now. Say, Lord, lead me. For some of you, God has been reassuring you. For some of you, there's action to be taken because he's spoken. This is the way. Walk in it. For others, it's just a reassurance that, hey, I know. I know, and I'm with you. For some, your mind and thinking about a particular issue would have been maybe quite subtly shifted because the Holy Spirit has been involved. Maybe for some, 
it's been a fairly obvious jolt to you. But God said, you need to forgive. You need to forgive someone to make things clearer. to know the joy of forgiving. Just coming up to 10 minutes now. Hardly an hour. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you, Jesus went through what he went through to do your will in order that we might know you, be your child, adopted as sons and heirs of the Father, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? Lord, we grasp all the power that directs our lives. We grasp all the extraordinary power of the unchangeable Father, the faithful one. who holds us through life, bears us up, has mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.